Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a year ago, food banks were overwhelmed by the demand created by millions of laid-off workers. Has the pandemic had a lasting impact on the way hunger relief organizations respond? Also this morning, big local sports news. Finley Trojans Athletic Director Nate Wyraw discusses the district's pending move to the Northern Lakes League from the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. And from general decluttering to a home office remodel, where to start on your spring home refresh? And how to know when it's time to call in a professional to rescue your DIY project? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. Today is Chinese Language Day. I thought about doing the entire program this morning in Chinese. Um, The biggest problem with that, we kind of went back and forth uh, until we uh, realized the biggest problem uh, with that idea is I don't speak Chinese. So that's, that's a bit of a problem. So we won't be doing that today. It is Lima Bean Respect Day, National Cheddar Fries Day, National Lookalike Day. National Pineapple Upside-Down Cake Day today, and it is Volunteer Recognition Day. So, treat your favorite volunteer to lunch, get them some uh, cheddar fries and pineapple upside-down cake, and you'll be all set. Scratch off all of those, check all of those boxes. One fell swoop. So, um, by the way, speaking of uh, smoking things, the fact that it is 420 today, uh... This is kind of interesting. The Biden administration is considering a regulatory requirement that would force tobacco companies to reduce the amount of nicotine in cigarettes to levels so low that they would no longer be addictive. The Wall Street Journal reported on this yesterday. Uh, Also being considered a ban on menthol cigarettes, which are harder to quit, they say, and more popular among younger smokers and black smokers. I don't know why that is significant. I guess it is. Younger smokers, particularly. But, uh, so, maybe both of those things. Maybe uh, mandating a lower nicotine content. Maybe banning uh, menthol cigarettes. Altria, the maker of Marlboro cigarettes, warned that such a nicotine mandate could lead to, quote, Growth of an illicit market, unquote. Uh, black, black market, uh, black market cigarettes. That's always that's always the warning, isn't it? That's the warning that was that they sounded the alarm when they kept raising cigarette taxes. And I don't know, there may be a black market for cigarettes out there, but to the best of my knowledge, this has not been a big issue yet. Remains to be seen. Anyway, also a point that uh, more people quit the habit, that could lead to job losses. Well, that's very true, but I'm not sure that that's what anybody is worried about. The uh, journal noted that uh, research shows smokers are likely to switch to nicotine gum or e-cigarettes, eliminating the chemicals in cigarette smoking that cause disease if the nicotine level in cigarettes is reduced that low. So we'll see if that comes to pass, but... Big news stories yesterday. Kind of interesting. You know, the people that you feel bad for uh, in this whole war on tobacco, and I've said this for a long time, the the people that you feel uh, bad for, the tobacco farmers, predominantly in the South, um, these farms that uh, produce tobacco on on their farms, because generally those farms are so small that they can't, really make a living farming anything else. It's not like they have 800 acres that they could plant corn instead or cotton or something else. The farms that produce tobacco generally so small that uh, eliminating cigarettes would put them out of business, and that is uh, rather sad, but yeah, one of the things. But kind of an interesting uh, story. Haven't had a good good cigarette story in... The news, I mean, the the war in tobacco uh, just hasn't been as uh, big in the headlines uh, in recent years. But there you go. 
what else is going on? Among the first things you need to know this morning, if you have missed the social media app Parlor, it is coming back. Apparently, Apple going to allow Parlor back into the App Store after the social media app that is popular with conservatives uh, improved its content moderation policies. That is according to a letter from Apple executive Timothy, uh, Timothy Powderly, uh, tweeted by Republican Representative Ken Buck on Monday, in which the congressman called it a huge win for free speech. Uh, Apple pulled Parler from the App Store back uh, after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol because, according to uh, Representative, or according to uh, Ms. Powderly in the uh, letter from Congressman Buck, uh, the app was allowing posts that, quote, encouraged violence, uh, denigrated various ethnic groups, races, and religions, glorified Nazism, and called for violence against specific people, unquote. Uh, Mr. Powderly says in the letter, which was uh, sent in response to questions about the banning from Congressman Buck and Republican Senator Mike Lee, that Parler's return was okayed after what he called substantial conversations about its moderation policies, content moderation policies. So conservative viewpoints are one thing. Uh, Pro-Nazi propaganda is something else entirely. And I understand the idea that you want to regulate and moderate conversations as little as possible. You want as much unfettered free speech as possible. I get that, but uh, I do think that it's probably good that you crack down on some of this stuff uh, that is floating around out there online to the extent that you can. So that is uh, big news. Parler coming back to uh, Apple. No word on whether uh, they will be back uh, in Google, the the Play Store and Google uh, for Android devices. So it only, only mentions Apple. Uh, let's see here. What else is going on in the world? Just a couple of uh, other items here. What else did I have? I, I swore I had something else that I wanted to uh, make mention of. Oh, here we go. This is kind of interesting. Um, a dating coach by the name of Luann Ward, who's based in Australia, decided to ask single males what they find most attractive in a potential partner. The old saying is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so this uh, dating coach decided, well, let's find out exactly what men find attractive about a potential mate. The vast majority said long-term attraction is less about physical appearance and more about character, specifically the values a woman holds and how she treats others. Uh, some did argue that looks do matter as a romantic relationship cannot begin without some level of physical attraction, which only makes sense. But the top five personality traits that men mentioned were, I thought this was interesting, honesty, number one, confidence, number two, playfulness, was number three, kindness and or gratefulness, number four, and loyalty, number five. <laughs> loyalty. You looking for a date or a good dog? Um, then after that, uh, come in the physical traits come into play. And the top five physical traits, eyes, smile, uh, the butt, the breasts, and legs. So, I mean, let's be honest. Guys, we do notice these things, but they're down the list pretty substantially. I thought that was interesting. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the interesting stories off the uh, Newswire. This actually uh, comes from the uh, world of sports. I thought this was kind of interesting. You know, whenever there is a big event, particularly a big sporting event... Um, hotels in the towns where the sporting event is happening generally raise their prices, right? Happens with the Super Bowl, happens with college football playoff, March Madness, World Series, really any major Indianapolis 500, uh, any major sporting event that brings a lot of people into a city, and you'll notice the hotel prices go up.
Did you realize, and uh, researchers at the Uni- University of California looked into this and found that Airbnb hosts, particularly in college towns, also increase their listing prices even more than hotels do when there are home football games against rival teams. For example, you wanted to rent an Airbnb in Columbus for the big game with that team up north every other year. It would cost you more to do so than any other weekend on that that weekend. Now, you would think that this is just capitalism at work, that Airbnb hosts realize the demand is going to be high, so they're going to jack up prices. But no, that's not the reason. According to study co-author Joseph Engelberg, says Airbnb hosts in college towns are individuals, not corporations, and are more susceptible to biases that lead to suboptimal pricing. In this case, we found that strong emotions involved in college football rivalries confounded listing prices set by households, which is a fancy way of saying that they raise prices so that the people from out of town, from the rival schools, can't afford to, to stay there. <laughs> that's, that's the logic uh, from, from Airbnb. So, uh, again, using the Columbus example, Airbnb on Michigan weekend, uh, Airbnb prices in Columbus will skyrocket as a way for Airbnb hosts to not rent to Michigan fans who are coming. <laughs> now that's clever. That is one way <laughs> maintaining that home field advantage. I just thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories. They get your uh, Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for cloudy skies today with a high 45, rain turning to snow tonight and overnight with a low of 32. Hancock County has received a $1.3 million federal grant to continue services and programs for people with substance abuse problems. Jennifer Swartzlander is deputy director of the Hancock County Board of Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services. It's a significant grant that our federal government is continuing to support local communities and how they're reaching out to their community members who are challenged with this issue. She says five entities will receive funding with this latest grant, including the Family Resource Center. Get more on how the grant will be utilized on our website. That's our Matt Demchek reporting. The man charged with inducing panic for allegedly walking on the Bowling Green State University campus with a gun on Sunday made his first court appearance yesterday. Daniel P. Seymour pleaded not guilty to the misdemeanor charge during his video arraignment. The 39-year-old from Bowling Green was released from the Wood County Jail after posting bond with a condition that he not possess any weapons. His next court date is set for May 3rd. Get more on our website. A congressman from central Ohio is stepping down from his position to pursue a different opportunity. Steve Stivers of Upper Arlington announced he will leave his position on May 16th as a representative of Ohio's 15th Congressional District to become the president of the state's Chamber of Commerce. Stivers was among names being floated as contenders for the U.S. Senate seat that Rob Portman will vacate at the end of his term next year. Stivers raised $1.4 million earlier this year as part of an exploratory campaign for the U.S. Senate. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. It's not good to leave old medications in your house, and you can safely dispose of them at an event in Findlay this weekend. There will be a medication collection event at the Findlay Municipal Building parking lot off West Crawford Street from 8 to noon on Saturday. People can simply drive in, drop off their old medications for safe disposal, and go on their way. Saturday is National Prescription Take-Back Day. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm John Marshall with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now we get to our cover story this morning. A year ago, food banks were overwhelmed by the demand created by millions of laid-off workers. Joining us this morning is the uh, CEO of the West Ohio Food Bank, Tommy Harner. And uh, Tommy, first of all, thanks for uh, joining us uh, this morning. We've been uh, taking some time over the past uh, several weeks to 
kind of look back and and uh, do sort of a post-mortem of where we are now compared to where we were a year ago as we were mentioning the demand for food uh, distribution was just tremendous uh, a, a year ago. Where uh, where are you now as compared to where you were then? I mean, we keep hearing that uh, many jobs have, have come back. The economy is uh, sort of uh, rebounding. Have you seen, has that translated to um, uh, mitigation of the demand uh, that you have seen? Um, we are still seeing a high increase of demand, and I think a lot of that is contributed to people are still laid off or there's still, you know, a lot of jobs have closed and um, those people are still looking for employment or they're just having to pretty much play catch up with yeah. everything that they've gotten behind on yeah. and they're still needing that food assistance. And I know when all of this struck, I mean, all of a sudden, just boom, uh, the, uh, the the increase in demand was dramatic uh, and very uh, all happened very quickly, uh, and it kind of overwhelmed uh, food banks uh, for a time, uh, trying to meet that demand. Is that something that, uh, obviously, over the course of the past year, you've been able to uh, adjust to? But talk about that transition uh, from that huge spike in demand um, for for your services, uh, again, evolving the way you respond to crisis, uh, crises such as this? Well, we have a small staff of only 12 full-time and one part-time. So when the COVID hit, you know, it was pretty a scary time for us because knowing we service 11 counties and sure. how are we going to do that outreach? Right. But fortunately, we have had the U.S. National Guard with us since May 20, March 23rd of last year. I'm sorry. And um, they are still with us. And if we didn't have them, you know, we'd have never been able to do what we're doing because we make sure we're doing at least one, if not two, distributions within each of those 11 counties every month. And we've done that since March of last year. So it's yeah. just been overwhelming. And then now we're starting to get volunteers, you know, people's feeling more comfortable coming out. So we're having more and more volunteers that are starting to show up at those distributions to lend a hand as well. Yeah, that was the other uh, struggle was to get enough people to to man those food distribution events. So it was uh, really a double whammy uh, with respect to that. And uh, you mentioned that you try and do one or two uh, distribution events per month in each of the counties uh, that you serve. That certainly keeps you very busy. How does that compare to uh, the uh, amount of distributions you were doing before all of this happened? Well, in looking at our numbers, over the last year, our fiscal year, we distributed a little over 10 million pounds for the entire year. Wow. Within a nine-month period last year, we had already hit 12 million. Mm. So um, it has definitely increased. We don't see that going down. We're on target this year to distribute anywhere between 12 to 13 or more million pounds of food. So, and, and that equates to a little over 200 distributions we've done in over the past year. Typically, we would not have that many. Um, we have some great partners, like in Hancock County, Chopin Hall, uh, Ron provides mobile pantries at least twice a month, mm -hmm. which is very helpful. But we've also partnered together to provide more. And then in these other counties, we've also, you know, just continued to do that outreach and make sure that those people are receiving that food. And as the demand is still there, you know, we're still going to keep on going and um, make sure that they have food on their plates. So the other challenge I, I know initially uh, was in getting enough food to distribute to uh, to those in need. And that is an area where a lot of folks have stepped up to the plate to make sure that you actually have the food to distribute because, you know, you talk about... 10, 12 million uh, pounds of food, it all has to come from somewhere. Absolutely. We've had great support from the community of providing um, food donations, you know, large manufacturers, the stores, individuals. Um, they've all stepped up. 
We were fortunate that USDA provided the Farmers to Families food program Mm -hmm. over the past few months, which is a pre-packed box that we could hand out to individuals. That program is coming to an end in May. Um, So we've also had to do a lot of purchasing of food. And, um, you know, that that's quite expensive. So we're looking at how can we um, engage new partners to still, you know, get the food we need in the future and um, maybe not have to purchase quite as much because, you know, that can definitely deplete a budget very fast when Absolutely. you have to continuously buy truckloads of food that are thirty to forty thousand dollars each especially uh, on this scale i mean that may be uh, manageable when you only have to do it a couple of times uh, every six months or whatever uh, it's much uh, right. much different story when you're distributing the amount of food that you have been over the past year and that kind of leads to the other question that we want to ask again as we look back over where we have been over the course of the past year it also makes sense to maybe look forward and has the pandemic had a lasting impact on the way hunger relief organizations such as yours, and I know you're part of the uh, Feeding America Network, uh, has this had a lasting impact on the way hunger relief organizations respond to emergencies in general moving forward? I think so. Um, This has really opened a lot of our eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. but being that partner of Feeding America and the Ohio Association of Food Banks, we have had that support system that everybody has worked together to make sure we have what we need, whether that be food or PPE equipment, um, sanitizer, you name it. Um, We've all had a great partnership, but it really has um, changed our mindset a little bit. We've realized over the past few months that a big um, area that we are lacking in is transportation to get food to those individuals who may not be able to get out of their homes or they lack transportation. So that is something we're going to focus on moving forward to make sure that we have the ability to get food to those individuals because just looking at some projections, it doesn't look like for food banking, things may get back to what a normality would be until about 2023. Wow. So. Yeah, we need to look at a a lot of new inventive ways of getting food into those hands that need it. And, you know, with us being in a lot of rural areas, we need to look at um, creative ways also to make sure that those individuals know that we are here to help them. And that's what we want to do. Yeah, that's a, a good point. I mean, uh, the, your area of service uh, it creates some some issues that maybe uh, those in in more urban areas uh, might not have to deal with uh, with respect to that. On the upside, one of the uh, benefits is obviously it is uh, created a great awareness for the importance of what you do. And we've got a link up on our webpage. Folks want to learn more about the West Ohio Food Bank, what it is that you do, how you do it, how folks can help out. Uh, Uh, We've got it there at uh, goodmornings.net. Again, CEO Tommy Harner of the West Ohio Food Bank with us this morning. Tommy, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Big local sports news this morning. A big decision impacting student-athletes at Findlay High School by the Board of Education in their regular meeting last night, accepting an invitation to join the Northern Lakes League. Athletic Director Nate Wyraw is with us uh, this morning uh, with reaction. And you had actually recommended uh, approval of this move. Uh, explain the explain the reasoning and uh, d- what is it that the Northern Lakes League brings to the table that the Three Rivers Athletic Conference did not? Well, the way, way we looked at it as coaches um, was the scheduling, travel, and stability of the conference. Just the uncertainty of you know, with with the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, what was going to happen knowing that you had possibility of Fremont, Whitmer, um, Oregon Clay, mm-hmm. you know, leaving the existing conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's my understanding that uh, Findlay and those other track schools, uh, which were also invited to, to mention Whitmer, Clay, and, and Ross, had approached the NLL uh, about uh, membership uh, rather than the other way around, is that true? And if so, why? No, we were we were invited. I mean, okay. obviously, it, there was a we were invited. Then there was the application process. Um, 
I believe that uh, Finley has been the first of the current track schools to formally uh, accept membership into the NLL. The invitations have been extended. Have those other schools voted uh, on that as I, Finley has? I believe Fremont Ross was actually last week. And okay. And I believe this, this evening and then on, on Thursday might be Oregon Club. I, I guess the, the reason that I ask, uh, just to be clear, the neither the invitation or the acceptance uh, is conditional on those other schools uh, joining as well. No, right? no. So that's, uh, you know, that's uh, taken care of. It is a bit ironic. Uh, you know, not only was Finley one of the founding members of the track, uh, folks may remember that one of the reasons for the formation of the track was uh, was Finley uh, had, up until the formation of the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, really struggled to find a uh, a good conference fit for a number of years before the conference was formed. Yeah, correct. We had we were initially we were in the Greater Buckeye Conference prior to, and so mm-hmm. you had you had Napoleon and you know Fremont. Uh, Sandusky obviously was in that earlier. Was was there any discussion about uh, expansion in the opposite direction, inviting NLL teams, perhaps others, to join the track? Yes, the, the, we were always open to expanding. So kind of take us through this whole process and, and how this worked over the course of several weeks, several months uh, in, in bringing all of this together. Well, you know, we and we talked about it earlier with the domino effect, Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, the Northern Lakes League reached out to, uh, created actually an open invitation to area schools for a big school, small school division. And that's what led us to this approach. The, there is something of an assumption, uh, that this move was predicated on his desire not to be a part of a conference that included such a large contingent of private schools um at the risk of reigniting the whole public versus private debate is there any truth to that no i have never looked at it that way you know i've always looked at it. it's always been great competition and uh you know with with central catholic and toledo st john's we've formed some great rivalries and great relationships with those with those schools and those athletic directors and coaches and are those relationships that you expect to uh continue uh, to maintain moving forward, because uh, obviously uh, there will still be slots to fill in the uh, in the schedule. So you anticipate still playing number of those schools? Yes, I would anticipate still playing uh, several schools. Obviously, this move affects uh, all sports, but most significantly football, uh, given the number of games in the season and the the playoff qualification system, uh, as opposed to other sports where everybody gets in regardless of, of who you play. So football really becomes a big focal point of this, I would imagine. Did you take this discussion up with uh, the coaches, football and, and other sports, and, and what was their reaction? Um, it was it was somewhat split, you know. We we've enjoyed this conference, um, you know. It, that's what uh, you know. One of the big challenges, you know, you talk about the relationships. We've formed those relationships with those schools, and you know, you take a look at at, at football and uh, gymnastics, mm-hmm. soccer. Um, it's going to be competitive across the board. Um, it should be a relatively easy transition. You know, we talk about the relationships. Um, you know, you have a number of relationships with current. NLL schools, uh, correct? Perrysburg and um, uh, Anthony Wayne. Anthony Wayne. That was the other one that was at the top of my right. mind. Uh, those are those are also schools that you are, are familiar with. So to be a little bit different, uh, maybe joining a, a conference where you were completely unfamiliar with the other members. Correct. Yeah, we've always had a relationship. We've had a, a, a long history, um, for, you know, with, with Bowling Green. You know, when you take a look at hockey, that's probably one of you know our biggest rivalry there mm-hmm. is in hockey. Um, from the North Views to South Views. So we've had a great relationship with many of those schools. Uh, officially, this move is set to take effect with the 2023-24 school year, but could happen sooner, I understand, right? Um, as of right now, it would be the 23-24 school year. Uh, so um, if uh, – I guess the, the concern would be, and again, this the timing in all of this, um, if the – track were to let the uh, departing schools out early uh, or to dissolve entirely, uh, would the NLL let you in early and would that present any uh, scheduling issues uh, because of a quicker move? 
Right. That that would actually be up to uh, Mr. Brown, the the commissioner of the NLL, and those mm-hmm. and those schools as of right now. Currently, right now, we do not have a vote, so that would be up to them. Uh, certainly, also up to um, Mr. Richards, our league commissioner, and 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 our schools if they would want us out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, right now, you anticipate this to be 2023-24. That's correct. So it'll be we a, fulfill a, the contract. Yeah, so it'll be a, a few years yet. Kind of take us through what this uh, will look like then when Findlay does join uh, the new conference. You mentioned the NLL uh, is looking at uh, splitting into a couple of divisions with larger schools and smaller schools. How much of that has been fleshed out, and, and how much do you know? How much can you tell us now about there, how There's not much work? that I really know about that. We, we have uh, not had a meeting regarding that. We just, re- we just received the invitation. Um, we do know that there's 11 schools um, of which four were invited and mm-hmm. two others right now that were going to be, you know, in, in the form of Oregon Clay and Toledo Whitmer right. uh, that have yet made that decision. And uh, how soon will you have uh, all of that? I mean, is there a timeline for uh, all of that to be fleshed out? And what is next for you as athletic director uh, moving forward? Because obviously you work a number of years in advance in terms of scheduling and, and all of that with other schools. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one big key piece is just the whole scheduling aspect of things where we would like to be able to know who's who we can go try to go get for non-conference because currently right now our non-conference is perrysburg you actually way yeah. and bowling green yeah, exactly. so uh, we've got to go out there and you know do, do we do we look at playing any of the current existing schools do we take a look at you know the columbus we've always traditionally played a, a columbus school in the past years mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, and, and again, a lot of this, as we said, uh, does come down to football for the reasons that, that we mentioned. But that's not to say that this uh, wasn't uh, that other sports weren't uh, taken into account as well. Oh, no. All the other sports were yeah. taken into account. In fact, I uh, we've had multiple discussions with with all of our coaches regarding, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses, you know, the pros and the cons, of so to speak. But uh Actually, football was kind of behind, you know, we, we, we looked at and addressed all the sports. Uh, well, are, are there any, do they, does the, the NLL, and I believe they do, uh, offer the same uh, collection of sports as the, as the track? So there are no, because there are some, this is more of a small school uh, conference uh, issue. Uh, sometimes uh, certain sports are sponsored within a conference that aren't in another conference. Yes, yes. actually, actually, we have, all, you know, all the sports you take away from lacrosse, which we, you know, we, we currently have right now uh, across the board. They actually have bowling. That's something that we wanted to take okay. a look at. Um, but for us also is the certainty of the lower level sports, meaning like freshmen. You know, you know, for us with the stability, as I referred to earlier, you're taking a look at, you know, wh- where do you play on a Thursday night for freshman baseball? Yeah. You know, are we going to travel to Columbus or are we going to travel to you know, 40 minutes up north. That is a, a good point that uh, a lot of times people don't think that this doesn't involve just varsity sports, or for that matter, does this involve strictly high school sports? I mean, does this uh, go down to the junior high level, the middle school level as well? Yeah, currently right now, our focus has solely has been on the high school. Okay. Um, but, you know, you asked the question earlier about football. Well, football, you know, that that's given. That's its own animal. But, mm-hmm. you know, all the other sports is was probably the priority, to be honest with you, for me, because you're taking a look at you know, softball, you know, baseball, you know, where are we going to go with, with, with junior varsity or junior varsity, uh, you know, across, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how this all fleshes out. It is, uh, obviously the invitation has been uh, accepted, but still a lot of work to do to oh, figure out exactly how this is going to work and what it's going to look like here in a couple, three years. Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, athletic director, Nate Weirau, the Finley city schools with us this morning, uh, talking about the uh, invitation to join the, uh, Northern lakes league beginning in the 2023, 24 school year for all sports. And Nate, thanks very much for dropping by the update. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Coming up, a story of poetic justice in the broken news. But first, you know, spring is big garage sale season. Spring and summer, big garage sale season. But you have to be careful what you pick up at your neighborhood garage sale. Police in Lower Township, New Jersey... Say they got a report about a hand grenade being sold at a yard sale in North Cape May on Saturday. Resp- responding officers determined that, de- that the device was uh, unexploded, obviously, but was live 
and the area of the entire neighborhood was evacuated. The Atlantic City Police Department's bomb squad uh, removed the grenade safely and transported it to a secure location. So, no word on whether they you know, paid the quarter for the hand grenade. Oh, we got a grenade. I'm looking for a quarter. <laughs> be careful what you sell at your neighborhood garage sale. Never know what you might find. couple of international stories. Uh, a family in Wales was left scratching their heads after an ambulance crew dispatched to bring their mother home from the local hospital where she had been recovering from COVID-19 took her to the wrong house and tucked her into a stranger's bed. <laughs> um, this is why in this country, generally ambulance services don't transport people back home. After We generally just call ambulances to take people to the hospital and then you're on your own for getting mom home. But in England, I guess they do that. Uh, but this uh, ambulance crew took their mother home to the wrong house. The family of Elizabeth Mahoney were happy to learn that their 89-year-old mother was coming home after 10 weeks in the hospital, only to become worried when she failed to show up uh, when she was supposed to. Several hours later, they learned that she had been taken to another address nearly eight miles away. Not only did they miss the house, they missed the entire neighborhood. Uh... Elizabeth's son, Brian, said that while he is still waiting for an official explanation as to what happened, he believes his mother was confused with another female patient with dementia who was also discharged that day. What he can't figure out, he says, is how the other woman's family uh, didn't notice the mistake. It took them several hours to notice that, hey, we've got the wrong person in our bed. That's not our mom. That's somebody else's mom. The hospital apologized for the mistake and sent another ambulance out to pick her up. But despite Elizabeth's pleas to be taken straight home, doctors insisted she be readmitted to the hospital to get checked out, especially after just having COVID. Meanwhile, Brian just wants to find out how this happened so no one else has to go through a similar incident. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Not only deliver her to the wrong place, but tuck her into a stranger's bed. That's... And the other family didn't even notice. Wow. <clears throat> Some things are just hard to explain. Speaking of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, imagine walking into what you think is your wedding, only to realize that you don't know anyone there, even the bride. That is what happened to an Indonesian man... And they are blaming it all on their GPS system. According to news reports, instead of arriving at the wedding that they were a part of, the groom and his entourage arrived at a home that was highlighted on their GPS map. Mistaking that home as the venue for the wedding, the gang entered and reportedly went around making everyone's acquaintance. <laughs> as it turns out, uh, there was an engagement celebration happening at that location, which is why it didn't seem odd that people had gathered and were exchanging gifts. So, I mean, it just, they lucked into another uh, engagement celebration, and that uh, added to the confusion. The bride-to-be told uh, local news outlet that her actual groom-to-be was running late, which is why it was easy to mistake the identity of the man who had showed up. Uh, lucky, luckily, there was an easy fix. As soon as it was figured out, the groom and his entourage returned the gifts and made their way to the correct location, but not before apologizing and offering up an excuse for the misunderstanding. They say they were led to the house by Google Maps. So, <laughs> Almost got married to the wrong person there. That's Well, now you've got a story for your wedding, that's for sure. A couple of other items from the uh, broken news back on this side of the pond. Eric and Nicole, this is a crazy story. Eric and Nicole Woodard said that their five-year-old daughter, Rian, came inside their home in Castle Rock, Colorado, south of Denver, after playing outside and told them that she had seen a giant cat in the backyard. Uh, because Rian was so calm and matter-of-fact about it, her parents assumed that she had seen, you know, maybe a big stray house cat. But then on checking their security camera footage, they found a video of Rianne riding her big wheel and coming face-to-face -face 
with a wild bobcat. They say the child and the big cat stared at each other for about 20 seconds before the animal turned and left. The parents add that Rianne didn't seem at all shaken by the encounter. She won a staring contest with a bobcat. That's... Whew. Keep a closer eye on your kids while they're playing outside after a story like that. And finally, in the broken news this morning, a story of poetic justice. Officials say a suspected rhino po- poacher is dead after being trampled by a herd of elephants in South Africa. Now, normally we have a rule in the broken news that when someone dies, it's not funny. And so we don't do stories where people die. But there is always an exception to the rule, and this is it. The uh, man was spotted among three people at the Kruger National Park by park rangers. They say the trio fled into a breeding herd of elephants while trying to make an escape so that they didn't get caught for poaching And the resulting stampede killed one of the men, injured another. Authorities uh, took the uh, remaining two into uh, custody, and uh, they are being charged with poaching. So, that's what you get for for poaching. (laughs) It was poaching rhinos, and the elephants trampled him to death. Hey, these animals stick together. They... They know what's what. They know how to fix these problems. There you go. Uh, that is the uh, broken news report this morning. Uh, this update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Time now for your daily download. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. One thing over the past year, we have learned to appreciate life's simple pleasures. can bring a surprising amount of happiness and contentment, and we have certainly needed that this year. And a new study set to find out what some of them are that people say are their favorites. Uh, their most satisfying uh, simple pleasures. Uh, it is a, a one-poll survey of 2,000 Americans uh, found that listening to your favorite songs topped the list of favorite simple pleasures. Just being able to listen to your favorite songs. Uh, that was number one. Followed by a nice dinner in second place. Having a, a nice dinner. Watching your favorite movie was the third a uh, little simple pleasure came in third on the list. Um, and the rest of the top 10, uh, finishing a really good book, the simple pleasure that we all enjoy. Doing exercise came in at number five. Spotting a species of bird you've never seen before came in sixth. Kind of interesting. Seeing flowers and trees blossom was number seven. I posted about this on social media yesterday that uh, one of the trees in our our backyard just blooms in uh, in the spring, just an amazing uh, shade of lavender. And and I posted about that. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And it is. It's very, it's one of those simple pleasures of life. Uh, Wearing an outfit that makes you feel good came in eighth. Home cooking was ninth. And a match on a dating site came in tenth on the list. Some of the others in the top 50, they went on, not just the uh, top 10, but into the top 50. Uh, Some of the others not having to set the alarm uh, for the weekend or on a day off (laughs) was number 13. That was me yesterday as I had the day off. Didn't have to set the alarm. That is uh, very satisfying. Uh, finding money that you had forgotten about is number 16. Have you ever had that in a, a jacket that you haven't worn in a while? Uh, or a, a pair of jeans or something, you reach in and all of a sudden you see, that, oh, there's money here that I didn't know I had. That's always nice. Hearing the wind blow through the trees at number 23 on the list. list. Sleeping in a freshly made bed is number 25. 
Spontaneous Outings was number uh, 43 on the list. Again, something that we may have missed over the past year, uh, making that even more special. Wearing a new pair of socks for the first time was number 47. And uh, lastly, uh, among the uh, statistics here from the survey, 63% say they don't get to enjoy life's simple pleasures often enough, with the average American only enjoying about eight moments of simple pleasures each week, or just over one a day. But you know what? Sometimes one a day is all you need. The moral of the story, make the most of them when they do happen. Well, of course, as we know, springtime is traditionally big home improvement season with folks looking for a refresh. And joining us this morning with some tips to help you love where you live is home expert Bailey Carson from Angie. Uh, Bailey, this is, it's always been true that we want to make the most out of the space that we have, but especially right now, given the fact that this is where we uh, have been spending all of our time, mostly uh, most all of our time over the past year or so, uh, you know, working and playing at home. So what tips do you have uh, specifically as we look toward a year where this may be the new norm? Yes, absolutely. You are so right. We have spent more time in our homes than we probably ever thought we would in the <laughs> past right. year. And so utilizing space well is just critical to our day-to-day happiness. So if you are working from home or your kids are doing their school from home, Think about making the spaces where you do those activities a little bit more permanent and well set up and comfortable. I think it will make your day-to-day that much more pleasant. So if you're working from home, invest in some comfortable furniture, have some great lighting, and consider a fresh coat of paint in the room too just to bring some new life. I'd also think about your kitchen. Uh, If you're like me, you've probably been cooking a lot more since restaurants haven't been an option or at least plating some takeout. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a number of options in a kitchen on just about any budget. For starters, just reorganizing where things are and making sure those items that you use just about every day are really easy to access and not frustrating to get to. Just giving it a better workflow. Exactly. Nobody wants to, you know, have to be on their tiptoes getting that bowl that that they use just about every day, but taking the time to reorganize. So uh, the other thing, and and again, this is pretty common this time of year after uh, the winter when we are cooped up at home and we look around and, you know, some of our spaces just, they they don't necessarily need a, a full out uh, remodel or, you know, tear it down to the studs, but we need a bit of a refresh because they have been uh, gotten a little bit stale. And obviously that has been amplified over the course of the past year. Absolutely. Uh, if if you're anything like me, a lot of clutter has probably built up. Yeah. As you spend more and more time at home, there are more things just accumulating. So it's a great time to do a, a spring deep clean. So go through room by room and think about what you want to keep, discard, or donate. And then think about how you're going to reduce that clutter going forward. So whether it's installing shelves and cabinets or just buying a few simple baskets, I think having a a clean, organized space will generally help you de-stress and feel calmer each day and sort of freshen up. I also think that lighting can make a big difference. So uh, great light can make you feel so much better. So this could be as simple as adding a couple table lamps or swapping out a light fixture or even thinking about updating your window treatments to being something that's going to let in more natural light as we get into the season and you can have some bring some of that outdoors in. Yeah, that is one of those easy fixes. Uh, I've done that uh, with a number of our rooms uh, over the course of the past year, in fact, and it is amazing the big difference that just a simple project like that can make in a room. And of course, uh, again, Every spring, we talk about breaking out of hibernation. We get it outside, and in 2021, we are more eager than ever to do that. Uh, You have some ideas on how to get ready for outdoor entertaining. Absolutely. At Angie right now, we are seeing a ton of demand for outdoor maintenance projects. So things like yard cleanup and getting the leaves and debris out of flower beds so that you can plant some new, fresh items. 
or cleaning your gutters and, and fixing any damage that might have been caused in the winter, like a leak in the roof or a crack in the foundation. These small sort of non-glamorous projects can end up really saving you in the long run or, and are important to do early in the season. And then on a more fun note, I bet we're all hoping to get outside to relax a little bit. And so thinking about your deck and patio. A quick way to refresh this is just with a good clean. So think about a power washing or a restain can give it a new fresh look. Or if a new deck or patio is on your wish list, this could be a great DIY project to take on. You could save a lot of money by doing it yourself, but do consider whether you have the time, the tools, and the talent to do a great job. Otherwise, call in an expert pro from Angie. Yeah, that's uh, kind of speaks to obviously what you do and your specialty. And I was going to ask, with all of these things that we're talking about, obviously some of these uh, are, are DIY projects. How do we know when it is time to call in a professional that we've, you know, we've bitten off more than we can chew or the, before we end up biting off more than we can chew. Yeah, we often think about the three T's, the time, the talent, and the tools. So think about whether you have the time to invest in researching how to do the project than actually doing it, whether you have the skills that are uh, necessary to do it, and also the tools. If you're going to have to invest in buying lots of tools, <laughs> you might just want to pay a pro to do it right the first time. Um, so I, it's a balance uh, I, with each project. Yeah, I, I have to say that I am guilty of having done that, uh, invested in, in in the tools that I'm never going to use again to finish a, to do a project that I probably could have done more cost-effectively by just having someone else do it. So that is a, a really good litmus test right there. Again, like we said, a, a lot of this is stuff that we talk about every year, uh, especially with the spring cleaning and all of that, but it is likely going to be much more intense this year given uh, what we have all been through over the past 12 months plus. Bailey Carson from uh, Angie with us uh, this morning. Where do we get more information? Download the Angie app or visit Angie.com. You can find tons more project ideas, cost estimates, and access to local expert pros. And to get you started, we'd love to offer you $20 off your first home project with Angie when you book and pay through our site or our app. And you can use the promo code HOME to get that offer. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talked about today on the podcast or every day on the podcast at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net, our little corner of the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Alice Cooper will join us. Talk about his connection, aside from the name, to Cooper Tires' Driven to Perform contest. And we'll talk about what it takes to go from garage band to superstardom. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.